welcome to There's More to the Quote. I'm your host, Lauren, and together we will dig into the origins of our culture's most repeated quotes and how they inform the way we relate to ourselves and each other. Welcome and thank you for joining me for episode five of There's More to the Quote. Today we're discussing the quote, God won't give you more than you can handle. As always, I want to start off with a random quote of the day. Today's quote is not quite attributed to anyone, but it's been said many different ways. And it's, sorry, I'm not doing that for free. And so that's for people out there, even especially women who are doing work, you have a skill, you're really good at something, but people are always asking you, can you speak for free? Can you do this for free? Or even if you aren't pricing yourself correctly, I've heard a lot of um, people who use people's services or uh, who, who help people get their businesses started. And one of the biggest things, especially with black women, is that they always price themselves so low. So let's get into the podcast. So if you've been watching the current season of Married at First Sight, like I have, you have been exhausted and ready to fight <laughs> watching Paige and Chris. I know every time I watch Chris, I'm like, why am I cussing? I haven't cussed this much since last week when I watched the show. So in summary, if you don't watch Married at First Sight, well, the show was about, you know, being married at first sight. So, and they have experts who put people together. Pretty simple. But this particular couple is just, it's a lot of drama. So really quickly, the highlights are they get married and basically Chris, the husband tells her bridesmaids. He doesn't tell her. He tells her friends, she's ugly. (laughs) She's not my type, but her body is nice. And his, his father and groomsmen, they also said it too. These are supposed to be pastors, but we'll move on. Next, he had sex with her or they had sex twice. And then he disappeared and came back and said he had a panic attack because she was ugly. Once again, he didn't say that, but basically he said, I thought having sex with you would make me attracted to you, but it didn't. Now I had a panic attack. Hmm. Okay. Then he drops the bomb that his ex-fiance is pregnant. Six weeks pregnant. So that's the highlights, everybody. Okay. So now this isn't a recap because it's a lot of people who do that. But what this is about is Paige, the wife. I want to talk mostly about her and also him too, because they both are people of faith. They're Christians and their faith is so important to them, according to them. And over the past um, episodes, what we hear is a lot about God. They just talk about God a lot. And a lot of the quotes are quotes that many of us have heard. I think whether you're a Christian or not, you've heard these phrases and some of them might not even be if you grew up in church that you heard them. In the earlier episodes, we hear Paige talking about how her faith is so important to her and how being a wife is important, right? My problem was coming in that Paige was speaking a lot about God and every time her husband, Chris, would hit her with what I truly believe is some gaslighting and and just downright just some mess. She reconciled it with the fact that, oh, this must be God. Like the reason why I'm going through all this drama 
72 hours into my marriage is because God is trying to tell me something. There's a lesson to be learned uh, because God has these plans, right? God has a plan for your life. And you know, who is she to question God? So I want to anchor the episode with the scripture. I'm not a theologian, okay? <laughs> but I do think that it's it's important because some of these churchy phrases, they I think they come out of scripture, but they're not in scripture. There is an article in GQ magazine interviewing Sierra and Russell Wilson. She talks about how when she goes through hard times and in the past that Russell Wilson would always tell her, James chapter one, verses two through four, I think he would, uh, I think he would repeat it to her. So it is consider it pure joy or other versions say count it all joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. So I'm like, you know what? I feel like this is the kind of scripture that Paige would probably hear growing up. Somebody just, you know, this is my imagination that she would be learning in her church home. If you go through stuff, then it's going to, something good is going to come out of bad. That's what is being said. So here's the problem, especially in relationship to Paige. Trials and tribulations are and gaslighting, they aren't the same thing. They're not the same thing. The scripture says that let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not lacking. If you're dealing with the manipulator, you're lacking. You're lacking a peace of mind. You're lacking rest. (laughs) So I wanted to break down the times that Paige was actually being gaslit instead of This female embodiment of Job. Like I just, I was getting Job vibes. Like, oh, well, God's putting me through this. And I know other women probably think that, well, God is putting me through this low key verbal abuse because something's going to come out of it. You're not Job. You're not Job. We we need biblical scholars to help us guys. So first of all, let's start with what is gaslighting? I think a lot of people who watch the show, we recognize the manipulation, the gaslighting. So for gaslighting, it is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or group, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment. Put an underlying under judgment. So here are the things where I knew when I was watching the show, I didn't think he was a gaslighter. Like some of the earlier on, I just thought, okay, he's full of himself. He's one of those spiritual Christian guys. Like that's his hustle, especially with that, the way he said grace. And she had to remind him to say grace. If you were, if you used to be a pastor, you know, you got to pray over the food. So it sounded like a hustle to me, but we're not here for that. Y'all let's go back. So number one, The day after their wedding, Paige wakes up or they wake up together and he says he's going to go get them breakfast. We see the footage that it's been two hours. He hasn't come back. She's worried. She doesn't know. She's called him. She doesn't know what's going on. She's confused. He walks back into their hotel room and he's just like, you know, hey, what's up? 
how you doing? Going about his business. And she's like, um, I'm a little confused. And he said, what are you confused about? Oh boy. He said, what are you confused about? As if he didn't see her calling and texting him. As if he didn't go out for breakfast. Now he followed up with, I had a panic attack because you were ugly. Once again, he didn't say she was ugly, but that's what he meant. And low key, it was some colorism, but we can think what we want to think, whatever. But I'm telling you that that was the first seed. The definition is you sow these seeds of doubt. The first seed was him telling her, what are you confused about? When he knows that anybody with sense, Anybody who dates anybody, if you just dating a dude and he say, yeah, I'm going to call you back and he don't call you. You like, and then he all of a sudden call you. Hey, what's up? Hey, you supposed to call me or we supposed to go out and you never called me. You already know that it's going to be some mess. So he was sowing the seeds then. And then he went into this whole desperate crying, but you just told her, what are you confused about? As if there was nothing for her to be upset about. That's number one. Number two. They on their, they're on their honeymoon and he's talking about, I got some disturbing news. First of all, your child that you're going to have is disturbing. <sighs> anyway, and it's just so, so much is devastating and you can see it in his face, guys. He's just so distraught. But then he tells her, you know, I, I, it don't matter. It really don't matter. I don't really want to tell you. And she like, oh, okay, but we're married and I need, we, we need, to, I need to know what's going on with you. Yeah. I don't want to tell you. It don't really matter. Now here go the gaslighting y'all. Now somebody was gaslighting. This the part that got me. Then he says to her, so you going to the pool? When you going to the pool? The pool? You just told me that, that your emotional mental health is at risk. I'm your wife. Even if I was your, I just met you at the club or something. And I'm like, Oh, do it. Do kind of emotional. I would want to know what's wrong. And then he talking about going to the pool. He just said all this stuff. And then he said, Oh, you're going to go to the pool as if he didn't just tell her some stuff. Y'all he planting the seeds. Then we all know that it took two hours, according to production for her to finally, cause she walked out like, I don't understand what's going on. Somebody help me. And they're like, well, we can't tell you. And so finally he tells her that, well, before he tells her, she's just like, I don't understand why you won't tell me. And so he's like, you want to talk about it? Yes, you want to talk about it. That's a gaslight, guys. You spent two hours telling this woman you were in, you've got disturbing news that, that your, your mood and emotion and that you were just in some distraught emotional situation. And she's keep trying to get you to tell her what it is. And then finally you say, you want to talk about it? As if she didn't want to, y'all that's gaslighting. She probably like, wait, did I not express to you? Did I do something wrong that didn't show you that I wanted? No, you ain't do nothing wrong, girl. He a gaslighter. So those three situations, what do they show? They show that Paige believed that it was God. After all of that, she believed it was God. She said she was encouraged by their faith. And then that's what will keep them together. Now, that's just something that she said to the people. But I low-key feel like she kind of low-key think that. It could be other things too. But I think she believes it. Then she said, well, God doesn't give you something you can't handle. She said, challenges create a beautiful story as if everyone doesn't have challenges. Like, oh, this marriage is not that beautiful because they didn't have any challenges. Everyone has challenges. 
Then in her vows, guys, I went back to the vows. In her vows, she said, I pray that we continually seek the reasons why God has placed us in this unorthodox situation. With all my heart, I'm praying this is our happily ever after. She says, we need to pray to seek why God placed us in this situation. Paige, you applied for the show, sweetie. God didn't do that. You didn't just run up on this dude in the grocery store. And finally, one of the things that she said when the couples were talking after everyone knew that he had a baby on the way, (laughs) she said, I definitely didn't think this was in my plan, but I'm not the one writing my story. God is. So I think there is a bigger lesson here. All this kind of wraps into what everyone talks about. If if, if you're on online, on Twitter, you watching kind of YouTube, YouTube videos who talk about the show. Everyone says like, oh my gosh, she has so many insecurities, but I want to kind of give a different view because I want to talk about insecurity versus intuition. Like what is the difference between that? And I think it's important because everyone's just like, don't you see it? Don't you see like red light, red light, you're not paying attention. And you know, a lot of women, look, we ain't got, women ain't got no type of grace for a page anymore. (laughs) People are done with Paige. Fear, like if you're operating in fear, if you're if you're really operating within your insecurities, because I feel like everyone has them and they don't just go away quickly. It's like you're not working hard enough. Like that's how you would feel. You're like, oh, I'm not doing enough. And that's the reason why the person is treating me this way. Maybe I wasn't nice enough. Maybe I wasn't caring enough. You know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Fear involves the lowest of who you are. Fear is like your own worst enemy. Like imagine Chris, like if he was your worst enemy inside. So you like push through the thoughts, right? Because we know thoughts are not, well, not saying we all know, but thoughts are not necessarily facts. They're real, but they're not facts. So you could push through and say, oh, that's just me trying to give up. It's growing pains. You know, everybody has to push through the fear to get to the other side. Maybe I'm not just working. I'm not working hard enough. But see, in my opinion, Paige's intuition was kicking in immediately. Like God was working through her. I believe we have free will. Okay. She is choosing to dismiss and ignore her intuition for whatever reason. But it was there and it was kicking in. And I say that because I could see it in some of the conversations that she, the little conversations that she had with him. She's not talking fearful type of talk. She's talking intuition talk. Like she's working through the situation in her head, like trying to rationalize it as much as you can do it. Then she ignores her intuition because she's like, oh, this must be God. This is a mess. So it must be God doing this because it makes absolutely no sense logically. So even if she has some insecurities, which I know she does, we all do. She still knows something is off. You can have insecurities and have low self-esteem or whatever. And you can still know that mm, something here is a little, little off. The issue is her indoctrination and the bad theology that she has surrounding love and marriage. It's overtaking what God gave her, the intuition. And we can make this for any woman, any woman. Bad theology or not. Some women get it in a church environment. Some women don't get it in a church environment. You have this idea of what love and marriage is supposed to be in relationships, how it's supposed to look a particular way. And so then you're cutting off, you're shutting down, not shutting down, but you're ignoring your intuition. 
And so the one time that you can actually co-create with God, like you can make the choices and God can really show you and help guide you. Like the one time when you can really lean into God would be when your intuition is kicking in. And now I feel like you can ignore your intuition, but you can't push through it. Like you can't fear. Like when you're dealing with insecurities, you can push through them and overcome them. You're not going to overcome your intuition. It's it's going to linger. It will be there. That's how you know. It's like the difference between you saying, "Am I missing something? Like am I am I am I overreacting? Cuz I I could have sworn I just feel like this ain't right. I, is it me? That's like intuition like you really feel like I don't think something about this is a little off. And then maybe everybody else is saying something else, but you like, I don't know. To me, I would think of that as intuition if I could describe it. It's so difficult to think of a definition. But if I'm talking about insecurity and fear, then it's like, well, maybe he acted that way because I wasn't being understanding enough. I wasn't being caring enough. So let me dim my light. Maybe I should have been quiet. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Now he's upset. What did I do wrong? Instead of, am I missing something? Why is he mad? You know, and Paige was giving me like, why are you upset, bruh? You the one that told me I was ugly. (laughs) Like the intuition is saying, this is silly. This don't make sense. And it reminds me of Brene Brown, her book, Gifts of Imperfection. And she talks about shame versus guilt. And I think I'm saying it right. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am a bad person. And so to me, that's what like intuition and insecurity, like intuition, if you're doing, if you're thinking in your mind and intuition is kicking in, you're not having necessarily negative self-talk towards yourself. When it's an insecurity or a fear, then you are. Now, the next thing we will hear, uh, well, we heard, we heard it on the show and some people might believe it. They're like, well, at least Chris is honest. This is what his daddy was saying. Well, at least my son honest, (laughs) but Is it honesty or is it deceit? Are you being deceitful? Yeah, yeah, you're telling me things, but you're being deceitful though. Are you being honorable in your principles and your intentions and in your actions? That's what honesty is. Are you doing that? Are you being consistent with the teachings of Christ? Because these are Christians. They can't, you keep talking about, I want a submissive wife and all this other mess. Are you being consistent with the teachings of Christ? So if if, if we're Christians and we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, The way that Chris spoke to her, he's speaking to her, it lacks compassion. It lacks care. It lacks kindness. It lacks anything loving. He says things that would seem to be loving, but see, the gaslighting negates it. The manipulation negates it. It's just talk. That's why it sounds loving, but it's not coming out of a compassionate, caring, kind place. And because he's been, he, you know, his tears, he's been crying tears about the way people think about him or about how he feels about himself. It would appear that he wants us to believe that he wants people to have compassion for him and care for him, but he doesn't want to offer it to his wife. So what I'm getting from it is, oh, he'll be honest with you, but he's honest with you. And then you become numb and you become exhausted. You question your worth. That's what his honesty does. It has no tact. He like sucks the life out of you. It's like you on the ground, you're spent. You're like, I just don't know what to do. Then he's like, hey, what you doing down there, girl? Like then he comes with this like 
switch on, switch off thing. It's some manipulation. So the final way I think Paige was gaslit was they had the dinner and after he told her that he had a baby on the way and he's like, have you ever thought about being a stepmom? Boy, <sighs> Jesus, help me. Then he says, then she asked him, do you still, do you think you'll get back with her? Do you still have feelings for your ex? And then he was like, you know, you a wife and the wife come first. You know, the Bible say that the wife come first. And I'm like, oh, you, I already knew. She didn't ask you all that. She asked you, do you still have some type of feelings about your ex-wife, not ex-wife, ex-fiance who you just got your tattoo. Her name was on your body and you just got her name covered up like three days before the wedding. Jesus fix it. This show is makes it so obvious to me that Paige is one of the women. I've been one of those women. I am one of those women. What am I talking about? She's one of those, uh, the women, many of us who you see a beautiful picture of a couple and you see an amazing caption on social media and you're like couple skulls. So Paige is like, you know, God is going to write a beautiful story for us <laughs> through all this dysfunction. But the problem is that She's underestimating the ability of women to put up with toxicity and dysfunction. At this point, there's no counseling going on. There's no accountability. So you're just going to push forward without any true apology. And you're thinking that, oh, in a few years, you're going to come out of it. Marriage is hard work. But isn't hard work like usually followed up by something? Right? Like I worked hard and now I have this success. Now I have something to show for it. Is this supposed to be exhausting? Like if you're supposed to like work through stuff and you're exhausted and then after you're done, you're still exhausted. It's like, what if you waited to see like, okay, God's going to bring me out of this. And all you're doing is just accepting things. And then you end up in a toxic marriage where you never got any intimacy or your emotional needs met. And so when I was seeing Paige just always like, well, well, God is, this is just God writing the story and, you know, it must be, it's for a reason this is happening. I, it made me think of those interviews that I roll my eyes every once in a while, there would be some interview with a couple who's been together for like years and years. Sometimes people ask, so what is your advice for young couples or the young people getting married to in this generation? What is your advice for a successful marriage? And usually they ramble off the same thing. Communication. Keep God first. Don't go to bed angry. No one ever off offers examples. I'm not saying that 50 years in a relationship is easy. Like if you 50 years with somebody, that, that's a feat. So if after 50 years... All you have to offer are some cliche phrases. I start wondering like, okay, there's an understanding that one of us is toxic or we have a toxic relationship, but we're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, we're not going to go to bed angry because what's the point? We gonna, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to leave. So I'm going to get mad every time you get caught with some woman or you get caught with some man or Keep God first. I keep God first because at some point God's going to turn it around, right? God's going to change it. And that brings me to a story. It's not the same exact story as Chris and Paige, but I feel like Paige could see herself in theirs if we could look into a crystal ball. So last year, or maybe it's like two years now, the Humans of New York uh, blog, it's like 
they interview like everyday people from New York. That's like the whole point of it. And they just tell these interesting stories about these random people. So they had released a story about this guy called Bobby Love. And he's a black man living in Brooklyn. And in 2015, he was arrested for running away from prison in 1977. He was um, serving 30 years for robbery. So he just decided one day while they was working on the side of the road, I ain't staying here. And he just got up and, and ran. Most people responding to the story, just like it was along, you know, different parts of the story, but just the general gist of the story, people were like, wow, we have sympathy, you know, when we support him, we don't think he should go back to jail. You know, yeah, he ran away, you know, those all those years ago, but he's lived a very productive life since, or very, you know, he was a good citizen. He's a husband. He's a father of four. He was a deacon in his church. Like the community loved him. It was like, this man is not a violent criminal that you all are telling us he is. So he did end up going back to prison, but he was in, I don't, not for long. He was released. Some uh, people were posting just different things about his wife, Cheryl. He was saying how he thought that she would leave him. After he got arrested and she was like, no, it's for better or for worse. And this is the worst we've ever been through. I'm not going to leave you. Okay. So up to this point, they have been married over 30 years and she had no idea. Right. And I, I believe her. Like she didn't have any idea that her husband was a runaway criminal. Like I don't believe she knew. What caught my attention was he talked about what he liked about her. This when he was meeting her. And one thing he said was that she was soft, almost naive. And he liked that. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting to say. And so in the comments, people who were posting about just kind of like the fact that his wife didn't know. I saw a few women stating things like, see, why can't trust no man? Man going to be married to you almost 40 years. And you ain't even know he ran. He a convicted criminal. He got a whole different name, a whole different social. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, men lie, men can lie for years and you, you just thinking everything fine. And then here go this man lying, you know? And so there were some things that really struck me about her experience prior to him being arrested that once again, it's a parallel to what I think Paige could do for Mrs. Cheryl Love two weeks before her husband was arrested. She was at her church on her knees, crying and praying to the Lord begging God to change her husband's heart. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. Like she couldn't take it. What is it that she couldn't take? Why she cried at church and she'd been married almost 40 years. She didn't use these terms, but her marriage lacked intimacy. Once again, when we talk about the scripture, about the testing of your faith produces perseverance, you're supposed to come out according to James. You're supposed to, you're supposed to come out not lacking anything. But her marriage lacked intimacy. And that is exactly what she needed. And she knew she needed it. She wasn't confused about it. She wanted it. But she pushed past her intuition. Just like Paige was doing. Paige was in her mind like, okay, this is kind of something about this is, hmm, this is odd. And she just ignored it. This is exactly what Miss Cheryl did. And so Miss Cheryl said, I'm going to quote her. We had some beautiful lovemaking. But other than that, there wasn't much affection. This is almost 40 years, y'all. Not many hugs, not much cuddling, not much communication. I could only get so close and he shut down. But Bobby was a provider. 
He was always working two or three jobs. He cooked, he'd do the laundry. He spent time with the kids. Now, side note, if you were daddy, that's what you're supposed to do. You don't get no points for being with your damn kids. Come on, y'all. She continues to say, I thought to myself, everyone is different. People have different upbringings. This might be how Bobby shows love. See, that's her ignoring her intuition. Her intuition is like, this is strange. So she says, but it was hard. It wore me down. I cried so many tears about it. Now, in the last part of the story, she says, he doesn't have to hide anymore. He can look at me when I'm speaking. He can hear me. My voice is heard. I used to walk on eggshells. Now that's the insecurity. Like I told you, the intuition versus the insecurity. Intuition, she was ignoring it. So she knew that how he was interacting with her was not what she needed or wanted. And it was not very loving. And so instead of choosing herself, she reduced herself. That's the insecurity. That's the fear. That's not love. She said, I used to just go along, but I told him one thing. I said, Bobby, I'll take you back, but I'm not taking no back seat to you no more. And you better say that, Mrs. Cheryl. Don't take no back seat to no man, girl. We don't do that. Now, it's clear that she chose to stay and she knew what she wanted and she needed that would contribute to her own happiness. Honestly, neither one of them was really happy (laughs) when you think about it. And she just chose to pray. She prayed for him to change. Now, did he lie to her? Yes. Maybe lying by omission, right? But her intuition consistently kicked in from the beginning. She cried many tears because her intuition was saying, girl, this ain't right. We ain't saying Mr. Bobby was an evil human being. We're not saying that. This is about her and what she needs to do. This is like Brianna, who's also another wife on the show, when she was talking to Paige and she said, well, you need to think about yourself. Think about what works best for you. I'm not telling you to leave or stay. I'm saying think about you. So just like Mrs. Cheryl, Paige could get to a point or even in these three days that she's been married, kind of like a smoke alarm. You know, y'all don't change y'all smoke alarm batteries and it just be beep, beep. Keep reminding you until you change something. And Mrs. Cheryl, she put in 35 years, 35 years when uh, he got caught, I think. She chose the marriage over herself every single time until it was like the truth was revealed. And so they seem happy and they're moving forward. I I assume, I hope so. But I believe that the only reason she is happy with her life when she was being interviewed was because she finally enforced her boundaries. She figured out that she could have some boundaries. So now they can have a loving marriage. And so that reminds me of another part in Brene Brown's the gifts of imperfection. And she talks about love, what love is. She talks about love and belonging, but I want to kind of read what she said about love. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow. A connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Shame, Blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Now, the part where she says, we can only love others as much as we love ourselves, that's a kind of a cliche to me. 
People say that you can't love nobody else till you love yourself. We know that's a lie. A whole lot of people are married who didn't love themselves. So you can get you a man and you can get married. (laughs) However, we love Brene Brown because Brene Brown lets us know what is self-love. So, you know, she's giving us the tips and the tools. So self-love is, or practicing self-love, I should say. It means learning how to trust ourselves, to treat ourselves with respect, and to be kind and affectionate toward ourselves. So although Haley, who was another wife on the show, (laughs) Haley said when they were all, the couples were kind of getting the information about, you know, the baby, they said, well, she said, if you can make it through this, you can make it through anything. Another quote saying that we love to use. And it does ring true. But also, we always make it through tough things. If you are alive today, unless you're on your deathbed and you've made peace with your death, everybody alive today has been through tough things, different levels of it. And we've all made it through. If you can make it through this, some things aren't worth making it through. Everything doesn't have to be a challenge. And is the statement really a good one or the quote really a good one? If you get through something, whatever that means, and you come out of it resigned, ambivalent and broken, you're not resilient, wiser, you've restored your self-love, you've restored self-compassion, like, What's the point of like, oh, we made it through. The situation is in the rearview mirror, but you're still broken. You know, this is a TV show. There's editing. I understand it. But it's a greater point for women because there are women who are in relationships with manipulators and gaslighters. And there are women who've been through it. So her construct is limiting because it's all about being a good wife or we, we have to stick it out. It's not about, oh, this is harming me. Now you can't control what other people do to you, right? So she can't control Chris, what what he says. But if he keep talking crazy to her, she can just <laughs> go because she doesn't want to be like Miss Cheryl. Mrs. Cheryl Love, she was surviving in her marriage. She wasn't thriving. And a part of that is accountability. Once again, we've seen the editing. So we've only seen a little bit of, of Chris's family, but based on what his mother has said and the way his daddy be acting, He's been enabled all his life and he knows how to turn on the waterworks and all that little stuff. This is based on what we've seen. So this is the kind of man, and this is any man, even a man who wasn't a gaslighter, (laughs) a manipulator, you have to have boundaries. If you don't have any boundaries, how are you going to hold him accountable? If he's just going to consistently say that he is a man of God and, but the way he's act, his behavior doesn't match his words. You got to have some boundaries to keep that in check, that women will put up with the mess and we don't have boundaries. And this is for women who are married and women who aren't. And with that said, the one thing that I can see that people may disagree on a lot of stuff is some men who, you know, they just like Chris. So they, they, they down for Chris. But it's one thing that I would say that the, the women and the men who watch Married at First Sight on social media, this one thing that I think they almost a lot of y'all are in consensus about. And that is that ain't no grace for Paige. Okay. Nobody has grace for Paige. Everyone's like, sis, get to stepping, get up out of there. If you stay now, then you must like it. (laughs) Now, 
this is true for anything. This is true for women who are in physically abusive relationships, emotionally, mental abusive relationships. When they stay, people just feel like, what's the point? Like, you're exhausting. Whatever. You're toxic. If you want to stay with him and get your face bashed in, then stay with him. If you want to stay with him and get constantly cheated on, just stay with him. There's no grace because it's like, don't you see? Don't you see? But no, because if she's been taught to reduce herself, how is she just going to come out of it? And a lot of us have been manipulated and dealt with stuff. And it don't matter if you got a PhD (laughs) or... A GED, you are, you can be subjected to manipulation. And if you haven't done the work, if you haven't been told by other women um, how, what you're supposed to stand for, you will fall for it for a long time. And when I mean fall for it is you won't know how to identify your intuition. The insecurity and the intuition will be blurred together. If I step away, am I a failure? Like, oh, that's insecurity. I'm stepping away because this is harming me. I shouldn't be harmed. This is too much for me mentally. But some people, it's not, it's easier said than done. There are certain situations where I'm looking like, if that was me, I would do this. If we look at everybody's life, there are some women out here, even if the woman got married at 18 years old, in her marriage, at some point when she truly became a woman, now whether she said it out loud or not, there were some times when she finally found her voice. It was like, I was just doing this because I was told this is what I was supposed to do. Not because I actually find fulfillment in it. Not because it brings me any joy. And it's hard to get out of an indoctrination. People still be out here blaming people for being raped and molested. So nobody has sympathy for victims. So I have grace for Paige. Now, that don't mean that I ain't going to be yelling at the TV every week. Like, girl, are you kidding me, girl? Really? I'm still going to be yelling at the TV like everybody else. But I hope that Paige gets help. Because even if she stayed on the show for money, it's like, girl, you in a bad way. Because you supposed to be an accountant and you got a real estate license, girl. You don't need all this mess. You're beautiful. Men will want you. So I want her to get a tribe or get some people like Brianna who are like, girl, look out for yourself for us on the outside looking in to say it when it's a whole lot of women that we know, married or not, who deal with toxic men and no one's teaching women how to choose themselves. I'm trying to choose Grace for Paige, but I hope that when decision day comes, they are not married. Please don't be married. Well, now is the time in our episode for the resources. So I have a few things that I'm going to give you for reading resources. The first one is Brene Brown, Gifts of Imperfection. You can get that on the book and the audio version. I mentioned her a few times, but I think that book is really important to help you think about choosing yourself and being vulnerable and self-love and belonging and all the other good things that she talks about. I find myself always returning to the book and highlighting it. So that's something that I think you should read if you haven't. Next is I'm going to leave a link to the Humans of New York profile on Bobby Love and Cheryl Love so that you can read the entire uh, story and some articles people wrote about them that have maybe some more information. For the visual resources, I'm leaving a link to the movie Gaslight. This is what the term, this is how the term Gaslight came to be from this movie. And it sounds like 
what you think it is. The gaslight is getting brighter. The gaslight's getting dimmer. She's like, who's doing that? And then the husband's like, I don't know. Nothing happened. You know, she's seeing things, she's hearing things, and he's telling her that she's not seeing and hearing those things. So this is the 1940 version. It's the complete one on YouTube. There is another version that I think may be an American version, but it was also made in the 1940s. So uh, watch both of them. But this is where that term came from. So I'm going to add those resources in the description of the podcast, but you can also see them on moretothequotepodcast.com. Well, that concludes our episode. And I hope you learned, questioned, and consider the things that I and the voices I amplified said surrounding today's quote. After doing those three things, I hope you come to your own confident conclusion. Don't forget to check out the reading and visual resources and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts. And please rate me on Apple Podcasts. It helps me get discovered. You can listen to me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. And I hope you join me next time for another episode of There's More to the Quote.